This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today we are jumping into Acts. We've been walking through the, the story of Acts. It's the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. As we've worked through it, uh, we have talked about how Acts is not just descriptive of something that happened a long time ago, but it's prescriptive for what should still be happening in our lives today. And so today we, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. It's the story of the Apostle Paul trying to go on a ministry journey and being repeatedly told no by God. And so today we're going to kind of ask ourselves a question, what do we do when God says no? If you think about no, it's a, it's a pretty interesting word. It's one of the first words that most children learn to say. Um, it's a word that sounds the same in so many different languages around the world. It's a word that kids learn early but also hate to hear. Um, it's a word that as a teenager feels restrictive and oppressive when people are saying it to you. And yet as you grow into adulthood, it's a word you grow to love for the freedom that it often brings you. Right? It's a word that we can assume at times is only negative. And yet as we walk through life, we can look back and see the many positive things in our life that are the result of the word no. And so today, what we, what we want to understand is that if we're going to walk with Jesus, he's going to tell us no. And when he tells us no, we want to hear that and receive it in ways that continue to lead us on the path he has for us. So Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I think when I was uh, plotting out our, our work through the book of Acts, when I came to this passage in my outline, I saw this as a really fun message to preach about God revealing his will to us. I mean, who doesn't want a vision of clarity like Paul got telling you exactly where you're supposed to go, who you're supposed to look for, and what you're supposed to do? And yet, over the, the last week, as I dove into studying this passage, what I recognized is before God tells Paul where he's going to go, he spends quite a bit of time telling Paul no. And so what we want to understand this morning is if we have a desire to hear God's voice, to see his vision for our life, and to fulfill his plans, then we have to embrace the idea that he's going to tell us no. And so as we open this passage, Paul and his companions are traveling around, and the reason they're traveling through this area is because they have been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So it kind of opens by setting the stage for us that no is a realistic expectation for believers. If you walk with Jesus, Jesus is going to tell you no. 
And he's not just going to tell you no to sinful things. He's not just going to tell you no to destructive things. He is not just going to tell you no to deadly or dangerous things. But there will be many times that Jesus tells you no to good things. That Jesus tells you no to amazing opportunities. That Jesus tells you no to godly possibilities. That Jesus tells you no to well-thought-out plans and scripturally-founded ideas. If it happened to Paul, it will happen to me, and it will happen to you. Now, this isn't necessarily the way that I would prefer God lead me and guide me. When I think of the story of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church, I wish the Holy Spirit led me kind of in the, I think it's Caleb, the local radio station where their tagline is positive and encouraging. That's how I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Just positive and encouraging. I want to tell him my idea, and I want him to tell me that's a great idea, and I'm going to encourage you to do it. And other people will love it, and I can't imagine a better idea, and you've done well, Chris. Let's go. Let's pursue this direction. And yet what the scriptures teach, and what I know from my own experience walking with Jesus, is I can have my plans, and I can lay them out, but there are still going to be times and seasons and places where Jesus tells me no. And when he says no, if I am living in this false reality where God is only and forever positive and encouraging, where he never speaks directly, where he never speaks correctively to me, then I'm going to be severely disappointed when God says no. And the last thing that I want for my life or that I would want for your life is for our spiritual immaturity when God says no to keep us from hearing what God wants to say after he says no. Because no is never his final word. No is always a point of redirection. And so when he says no, we have to be mature enough to understand, hey, you know what? All through the scriptures, God says no to his people. Again and again and again. And here in Acts chapter 16, God says no to Paul. So if God says no to Paul, God's going to say no to me. And when God says no to me, I want to respond with maturity. Right? Contrast that with the way a child responds when they're told no. Right? I mean, think of it, if you have toddlers, this is not really an exercise that you have to put much thought into. You might have had it on your way to church this morning. You might have had it over what was for breakfast. You might have had it over the fact that they had to wear shoes or clothes to leave the house. Right? There's any number of things, but when you tell a toddler no, their response is rarely one of maturity. Right? I, when we raised our three kids through their toddler years, I don't remember a single time they wanted to do something and I said no, and they looked at me and said Thank you, Dad. <laughs> they never once said, I see what you're doing, and I know you have my long-term good in mind. <laughs> they never said, I understand that you're trying to prevent me from growing up to be a third-world dictator. I understand, Dad, that you are looking out for my future spouse. I understand that you're trying to make sure I don't go to jail. I understand why you're... They never said any of that. What did they say when I told them no? They cried, and they fell on the floor. And they kicked their feet and they flailed their arms. They did the same thing that your kids do. They did the same thing that I did when I was a kid. As they grew up, those behaviors changed a little bit, but they still didn't appreciate the nose anymore. Right? In elementary, middle school, it changed from like the on-the-ground temper tantrum to the stare you in the eyes and say, you don't care about my life. Why would you tell me no? You don't love me. My friends, you know, you, you have all of these responses. Get into middle school and high school, all of the same things over and over. I did it to my parents. My kids did it to me. Their kids are going to do it to them. It's part of growing up. It's part of maturing. It's part of growing. But when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, there should also be experiences of maturing and growing when God says no. 
So you don't have to get it right every time when God says no. There are going to be some times that you throw temper tantrums. There are going to be some times that you whine and complain. There are going to be some times that you think, God, you don't care about my life. Everyone else is getting to do what they want to do. I'm the only one that you're telling no to. And you're going to sit down in this little pity party. But eventually, you're going to mature out of that. And as you continue to surrender to the scriptures and you continue to plant yourself in community and you continue to grow as a follower of Jesus, you're going to understand that no is a realistic expectation for everyone who walks with Jesus. And when Jesus says no, part of maturing is understanding that you're going to be able to remove the negativity from no. So the the problem we have when God says no is we assume that no is always bad. That that no is always God taking something good away from us and giving us something worse in return. That that no is somehow a sign of God's displeasure. But what we see in Acts chapter 16 for the Apostle Paul is his goal is godly. He wants to go to Asia and he wants to tell people about Jesus. And the reason he wants to go to Asia and tell people about Jesus is because, to his knowledge, nobody has been to Asia to tell people about Jesus. Jesus. You can't find a purer goal than what Paul has. It's in line with what God has called him to do. It's in line with the power of the Holy Spirit that's been poured out on his life. It is a good and wonderful thing, and yet God tells him no. And when God tells Paul no, he doesn't sit down, he doesn't quit, he doesn't whine. Instead, he understands that no is not a negative response from the Lord, but no is actually an expression of God's love, direction, and protection for his people. When God says no to you, it's proof that he has plans for you. And so you want to learn to hear that no as an expression of God's love. And in the way that you couldn't grasp as a toddler at home, you now can grasp in your relationship with the Lord that a loving father who gives good gifts to his children is going to tell them no, so that he can get them in the right place at the right time to do the right things that he has prepared in advance for them to do. So what we see happening in Acts chapter 16 is really what Proverbs chapter 16 describes for us. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So if no is a realistic expectation for every believer, and if we're going to remove the negativity from no and see that no is actually a positive instruction from the Lord— then it means we have to leave space for God to say no in every plan that we make. Now, I know some of us, there are various levels of planners that are here. How many of you would say you're a pretty high-level planner? You've got a lot of plans for a lot of things, right? How many of you know you've got today planned out at least? Like, we can all maybe get there at least. You came to church. That was a plan. So good job there. You made it. Um, You're maybe planning to go home and watch the Super Bowl, right? Some of you uh, planning to go home and cheer for the Chiefs, some of you, all of you, yeah, hopefully, yep. Um, It is the Lord's will, I'm pretty sure, Uh, so we'll see, Uh, but, but we all have plans. Now, some of us, we move past a daily plan or a weekly plan, and we've got big plans. And some of you have got plans for the month, you've got plans for the year, you've got five-year plans, you've got 10-year plans, you've got vision boards uh, hanging in your office or at your home, you've got kids that are two years old and you've already planned out where they're going to go to college, how much it's going to cost, what they're going to major in, and how much money they're going to make it when they're 25 years old. You've planned out every part of their life. We have plans for our retirement. We sit with financial planners and we plan for the future and we kind of chart out where we're going to be and what we're going to do now to get there and do that. We have plans for our health, we have plans for our relationships, we 
have plans for our education. We have plans on plans on plans. And that's fine. What Proverbs is telling us is God has given us a desire to plot our course. Like the desire to think for the future and plan for the future, that's, that's God-given. He's the one who wired us that way. It's, it's one of the, the many things that separates us from the rest of creation, that we're not created to just live in the moment, but we always have a future orientation. But what Proverbs is telling us is even as we're planning our course, as believers, we always hold in mind that it's God who directs our steps. And if he directs our steps, then it means sometimes he's going to say no to the course that we've already planned. And when he does that, We're going to receive it, we're going to submit to it, and we're going to trust that if my steps are ordered by the Lord, then I'm going to wind up on the course that he's already prepared for me. And his course is always going to be better than mine. It's always going to lead into deeper experiences of life and a more long-lasting impact on his kingdom. So this is what's happening to Paul. There's nothing wrong with the course that Paul had plotted. He wanted to go to Asia, and he wanted to tell people about Jesus. But as God is directing his steps, it becomes clear this is not God's plan for Paul at this particular time. Paul wants to go east into Asia. God's plan is for Paul to go west towards Rome and Europe. And so as Paul keeps trying to turn east, God keeps telling him no. And the reason he keeps telling him no is because he wants to redirect him so he's in the right place at the right time to reach the right people in this season. So Paul also offers us an example of when God says no, what do we do? It was when we started in verse 6, it says that Paul and his companions were traveling through Phrygia and Galatia. The reason they're traveling through is because the door to Asia had been closed. Now when that door had closed, Paul models for us that when God says no, we keep working. We keep walking and we keep obeying. No is never an excuse to quit No is never an invitation to laziness. Paul resists the temptation to think, well, if God won't let me do what I want, he must not have anything for me to do. Paul, when God closes the door to Asia, Paul doesn't head out on vacation. Paul doesn't sit down where he is. He doesn't retreat to Jerusalem. Instead, he says, God wouldn't let me go there, but I know God has still called me to tell people who don't know Jesus about him, so I'm going to keep walking until God opens my next ministry opportunity. So again, it's a great reminder for us because when God says no, it can, it can be a little discouraging. It, it can be a little confusing. And in that space, we can easily give in to the temptation of, well, I thought I knew, and God said no, so now I guess I'll just stay and quit. And yet what we see in the scriptures is when God says no, we receive it as a word of direction, and we keep moving. So if you thought you had a new plan and God said no, what do you do? You just keep doing the last thing that he told you to do. You just keep working in his kingdom. You keep investing your skills and your time and your ability. You keep doing all that you can where you are. You keep following the path that he's laying out for you, trusting that at the right time and the right place, he will make it abundantly clear what you are supposed to do next. But every day you can stay planted in the scriptures. Every day you can participate in community. Every day you can worship the Lord. Every day you can spend time in prayer. Every day you can take up your identity as a son or a daughter of God. Even when God says no, we keep working. Right? There, there, are, there is no season where we just stop and say, Lord, I'm not moving until you tell me what you want me to do. But instead we say, Lord, I'm just going to keep walking with you. And I'm going to trust that in the same way you just said no, 
eventually you're going to say yes and you're going to show me what's next. And so, so this is what happens with Paul. He keeps walking and God keeps speaking. You get down to verse 7. It says, When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. So God says, no, Paul, you're not going to Asia. And initially, Paul hears that as you're not going to Asia from here. So he starts walking to what he sees as the next entry into Asia. And when he gets there, he tries to turn towards Asia again, and God says no again. Now, for most of us, this is where the, the problem really comes in Paul's story and in our story. Because most of us can handle the first no. We can handle the first redirection. We can deal with the first breakup. We can accept the first letter of rejection. Right? We, can, we can walk through that space where we were sure and certain this is what God had prepared us for, and that door slammed in our face, and we can deal with it, and we can say what's next, and we can keep working and keep walking and keep trusting, and then we come to the next one, and we think, this is it. This is why God said no, because he wanted me to be here. He wanted me in this relationship. He wanted me at this company. He wanted me, and then that one closes again. And when it's the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth no, somewhere along the line, discouragement starts to take root. Somewhere along the line, we start to question our ability to hear God's voice. Somewhere along the line, we begin to believe the lies of the enemy that maybe God doesn't actually have a plan for me. Maybe he doesn't really care, and so I can just do whatever I want. And as we work through that space, again, maturing is understanding that sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says no again and again and again. But every no is a gift because every no is a word of direction. Every no is a word of instruction. Every no is an opportunity for us to stop and trust and believe that God loves me enough to continue to speak through me. And as much as we would love for God to speak to us through open doors and opportunities our whole life, what you're going to find is he almost just as often speaks through closed doors. And so maturing as a follower of Jesus is learning to understand how encountering a closed door is an opportunity to thank God and worship him for his presence in your life. And, in, and this seems to be what Paul and his companions do. They, they go to the next spot and God says, this still isn't it. So what do they do? They keep working, they keep walking, they find themselves over in a port city called Troas. But what they are modeling for us is, is that idea that every no is a gift. Now again, the, the temptation is to think of no specifically from a negative standpoint. And, and you've done this in your life, I've done it in my life, where, where God says no, and we mistakenly assume that his no is restricting us from the best life we could have had. All right, so, so God says no to a relationship. And now your heart is filled with anger and bitterness because you're convinced that was the best you were ever going to experience. God says no to a job opportunity. And you are filled with frustration and anger because you just know it was never going to get any better than that. Now, if you follow Jesus long enough and you live long enough, you are going to have the opportunity 
to look back on some of God's no's. And you will be able to identify how God was not only leading you and guiding you, but you will also identify how many times God was protecting you from what you thought was the best possible thing in your life. Right? If you don't believe me, just think of some of your ex-boyfriends and girlfriends this morning. And you will quickly identify with the great theologian, Garth Brooks, who says some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Because you desperately prayed for him to bring a ring to you. And now he is on wife number four. And you've never been more thankful that God said no. Right? You, you look at some of those other job opportunities that you are so certain, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to build my life. And you saw how that, that company or that industry just went up in flames. And you're so grateful that the Lord redirected you. Or maybe on the other side, you, you just follow Jesus long enough. Eventually, you're going to come to a place where you are in, in the position where you know you're supposed to be. And you're going to look back at all the other opportunities and all the other prayers and all the closed doors. And you're going to say, Lord, thank you so much for leading me and guiding me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for meeting my stubbornness with your no. And just no matter how many times I tried to wander, no matter how many times I tried to run towards that, thank you for just telling me again and again and again, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. Let's get back over here. Let's head in this direction. And in that space, it, it becomes your privilege to celebrate God's nose in your life. It also becomes somewhat of your responsibility to share with other believers your story. Because guess what? There are other people learning to navigate God's nose right now. And when you come alongside of them and start to tell them about like, hey, you might, you might really admire your marriage. Let me tell you about the bum I wanted to marry, right? Like it, it wouldn't have gone well at all. Or you might, you might think my job looks great. Let me tell you about all the times that I wanted to leave it and that I tried to go somewhere else and God just kept me here, right? When, when you tell those stories, it brings encouragement and hope to others. It's the reason Luke includes it in Acts because we all want the story of the Macedonian vision, but what Luke is helping us understand is sometimes God's got to say no to our plans several times before our hearts are prepared to hear what he has for us to do. And then when we're willing to hear God's no and we're willing to just continually obey him, he leads us into a space where we're ready to hear his voice. And so we see it, it says that they're in Troas and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so what we see here is that no is an invitation to listen. Paul is in what appears to be a dead end. He's tried repeatedly to head to the east, and God keeps sending him back to the west. Now he's come to a port city. There's literally no farther western point that he can go from here. And in this space, he goes to bed at night, and I think we can safely assume that he goes to bed at night asking God, well, what's next? If you won't let me go there, and you're going to tell me no repeatedly, where am I supposed to go, and what am I supposed to do? And what we find is that as Paul lays down and goes to sleep that night, God speaks to him through a supernatural vision. And he has a vision of a man saying, will you please come and help us. Right? And it's this reminder that no, again, is not a negative response from God, but it's a reminder that God is close and God cares. 
and he cares enough about you to tell you no so that you're ready to hear what he's about to reveal to you. So if you find yourself in a season of God saying no this morning, my encouragement to you is you are in a season of listening closely to what God has next. No is an invitation to more intense prayer. No is an invitation to an increased sensitivity to the Spirit. No is an invitation to submit everything that you have planned for the future. No is an opportunity to surrender everything that you think should be, how it should be, or when it should be. When God says no, it's another way of God saying, listen. And when we come into that space, we come trusting that he's a loving father who gives good gifts to his children. We come believing that the Holy Spirit speaks directly to us about the situation of our life. We come with the faith of the scriptures that Jesus has already prepared good works in advance for us to do. And so God's no is God's listen. And when we listen, God speaks. And God's speech to Paul is you're going to Macedonia. You're going to cross the water. You're going to head west and you're going to make inroads into new places. And so what you learn is that no is often setting you up for go. And now, now the problem is we just, we want to go straight to go. Like, I just want to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, go, and I go do it. And it's all positive and it's all encouraging. And I never have to deal with God telling me no. But sometimes there's some no's. Sometimes there's several no's. But what we can trust is the backside of every no is going to be a go. There's going to be an assignment. There's going to be a specific reason. God hasn't been closing doors in your face just for fun but it's been to direct you to the right place at the right time. Now, Paul, the gospel will go to Asia, right? but for Paul at this point, his attention is turned west. Paul has been traveling around what is modern-day Turkey, trying to go farther east into Asia. When he gets to the port, he crosses a sea and he lands in what is modern-day Greece. When he lands, he begins a, a little ministry journey that we'll cover over the coming weeks. And he begins to go to towns that we now know because of his impact there. Paul travels to Philippi, to Berea, to Corinth, to Thessalonica. He begins to preach the gospel and to plant churches. The church begins its westward push into the Roman Empire. And when God tells Paul, no, you're not going to Asia, it's not because he doesn't have a purpose or a plan for the people of Asia. He does, and the gospel will be established there. But it's at this particular moment in Paul's life, God's plan is for him to go west. And when Paul goes west, he plants churches in Philippi, which gives us a letter to the Philippians. He plants a church in Corinth, which gives us the letters of 1 and 2 Corinthians. He plants a church in Thessalonica, which gives us the letters of 1 and 2 Thessalonians. He plants a church in Berean, which provides us with the model of believers who devote themselves to the study of the work. Because Paul's obedient, you and I continue to benefit from his obedience today in the form of the letters he wrote to the churches he established. God's plan was for Paul to go west. When he goes west, he is taking the gospel further into the Roman Empire. Eventually, it makes its way up throughout all of Europe. For many of us in the room today, we can trace our spiritual heritage to the Holy Spirit telling Paul no because the gospel goes west. 
And when the gospel goes west, it begins to infiltrate a Roman empire that is dedicated to its destruction. And with three, within 300 years, it becomes the dominant force within that Roman empire. Why does God tell Paul no? Because God has a plan to use Paul's life. And so for you and I today, when God says no, we're going to embrace it as a word of direction, a word of love, and a promise that there is a plan. And it's a plan that is bigger than us. It's a plan that will last longer than us because it's a plan that's attached to his kingdom. And so no is not a space to pout, and no is not a space to whine, and no is not proof that God is absent, and no is not proof that God is displeased with you. No is God's resounding statement of instruction, direction, protection, and provision for each one of us today. And so when God says no, we respond in gratitude. When God says no, we respond in surrender. And when God says no, we put ourselves in a listening position because we know that on the backside of every no, there's going to be a go. And God has a people, and God has a place, and God has a time. And the same way he did for Paul and his companions, he does for you and I today. There is a specific plan that he has prepared. And every no is redirecting you on that path. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us today. And the band's going to come back and lead us in a final song. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you are the God who sees us and knows us, who loves us and has a plan for us. And Jesus, we're asking today if there's anyone in the room with us that has not yet surrendered their life to you. Today, Lord, may their first movement be into a relationship to take on their identity as your sons and your daughters. As they do that, Lord, may they experience freedom and hope and life as they receive your salvation. Lord, I pray for those who are in a season of listening and trying to discern your will in their life, especially, Lord, for those who are in, in a season of no, a season of closed doors, a season of frustration, discouragement, or disappointment. Lord, I pray today that you would come and work in each of our hearts in personal and powerful ways. And you would remind us that when you say no, it's a word of love and a word of direction. It's an invitation to listen and to trust. And it's a promise that your path is going to be revealed. And so Lord, we receive every word that you speak to us with gratitude, and with obedience. Jesus, today we invite you through the presence of the Holy Spirit to speak specifically to us about the purposes and the plans that you have for our lives, that you have for our families, that you have for our work or our school, and that you have for our future. We want to be people who follow the steps that you have laid out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.